welcome to Just Us and God. This is Ellen speaking and today I have the sheer delight of being able to simply share some scripture with you. So this will be the first of six episodes which will just share one chapter each episode from the book of Ephesians and the Lord is just releasing me to do this as a bit of a break from the heavy stuff that he's wanting to lead me into and to lead me to share over time and so I just pray that you'll join me as we are just given the freedom to just delight in this scripture so each episode I'll just read through a chapter and then I'll go through it again one more time just sharing any of the highlights that the Holy Spirit has identified so I pray that you will enjoy this as much as I know I'm going to it is such privilege to be able to share scripture with one another feel free to pause the recording and get your bible out again it's from the new king james version it's the book of ephesians and today we're starting at chapter one which reads paul an apostle of jesus christ by the will of god to the saints who are in ephesus and faithful in christ jesus grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of his glory. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand 
in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Feel free to pause the podcast or video again just to grab a pencil and paper because you might be interested in making a few notes. I think for me the greatest delight in this chapter is Paul's prayers that extend from verse 15. These prayers are beautiful because he's praying that the saints will receive all of God's spiritual blessings and so the spiritual blessings are one of the key themes in this chapter. What I read as the key themes in this chapter would be that it was God's will, it was no one else's will and no one else's ability because it was God's will and by God's grace and his glory that he predestined us, that he called us to be adopted into his family so that we could be in communion with him, be made one with him and have the inheritance that Paul speaks of. I love that the will of God is emphasized so much in his scripture and as I say that the penny is dropping and I'm realizing oh this is why the Lord asked me to share this scripture. In that first verse Paul says, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So straight away he's naming up his role in the church and he's stating that his role was given to him by God. It was God's will that he should find himself in that role. I have an absolute confidence that God has a specific purpose or a number of purposes and roles for us and that as long as we are doing things according to our will and not his will, we have a kind of a haphazard way of maybe and maybe not finding ourselves into those purposes. But it is possible for us to down tools and seek the Lord and find out what he does and doesn't want us to be doing so that we can then find ourselves in his will and in his purposes, which is where he wants us to be. And that is where we're going to find the miraculous in our daily lives. And it's where we're going to serve him best. It's where the divine appointments are and just those beautiful miracles around relationship between brothers and sisters. I also noticed that in verse 1, he continues to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So what that tells me is that there are saints in Ephesus who are not faithful in Christ Jesus. We can be a saint or we can be a believer. We can be someone who considers ourselves a Christian. And that is separate from being faithful. And the word faithful, it defines a two-way kind of a relationship. So it's kind of this ongoing two-way dynamic. God is faithful by nature. And as we learn this, our faith or trust in him grows and develops. And we naturally become people who want to be faithful to him 
as well. What does it look like to be faithful to him? In a very real sense, it means building our relationship with him, developing an intimate relationship with him, so much so that we do know God more intimately and we know what his will for us is and we can walk in that will. We want to. Part of the desire of being faithful to God is the desire to be walking completely in his will. I notice in verse 2 he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a few things in this, but I'm just going to share with you just the one point at the moment, that grace and peace do come from our Lord. Grace and peace are something which we can have a kind of a head knowledge and a human understanding about. But then as our relationship with the Lord develops and we relinquish some of the things that he doesn't want us to have, he will start to give us a taste of the depths of his love for us. He will release his Holy Spirit. In fact, it's more about us clearing out the blockages so that we allow his Holy Spirit to pour through us. We open our heart to him. He's, he showed me through scripture a few times saying, I've done nothing wrong to you. Open your heart to me. And this, this concept, I don't know if there is a scripture, but I hear the phrase, open your heart gates. As we open our heart gates to him, it allows his Holy Spirit to flow into us and through us. And with his Holy Spirit comes his nature and many of his aspects, attributes, manifestations. And that includes his grace which can be described as many things, including his enabling power and his compassionate patience with us and also his peace. And I have released words in the past where the Lord is imploring us to come and be in that space of intimacy and to contend for the peace that comes with the outpouring of his Holy Spirit because that peace guards our hearts and minds in the most extreme of circumstances. Just think that it's very appropriate that he uses those words, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, because one of the significant themes, as I've already mentioned in this chapter, is the spiritual blessings that God wants to give to us. And those spiritual blessings are just like grace and peace, part and parcel of the outpouring of the Lord's Holy Spirit as it moves into our lives, into us and through us. As we move from being carnal Christians and following our fleshly desires and living by sight rather than by faith, following the wisdom of our minds and the trends of man, trusting in men, trusting in flesh, to being more spiritual in nature and starting to rely entirely on God and seeking his will for our lives and leaving the things of the world behind what we'll start to do is we'll see that his spiritual blessings are way beyond value they are so much more beautiful and precious and valuable than any material blessing that he will give us and then in verse 3 he says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ 
I just want to say now that I'm going to be interrupting sentences because I've noticed that Paul speaks with incredibly long sentences and I understand that that's because he's being moved by the Holy Spirit to do so. In verse 3, Paul is praying that God is blessed. And how is God blessed? We bless God through our response to him. I'll read straight through from verse 3 through to verse 6 inclusive now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved there's so much in this as I said before it was God according to his will and no one else's and according to his his glory who called us who predestined us who chose us and he gives us his spiritual blessings and makes us accepted for the most part the richness of those spiritual blessings become apparent to us once we have earnestly begun the process of sanctifying ourselves that is walking in obedience to God's will notice that it says has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him the phrase uh, without blame before him in love just follows a similar theme and he made us accepted in the beloved so we are called we know John 15 the, the vine and the branches we are called to abide in him when I looked up the dictionary definition of abide today I was quite surprised because my understanding was that it was something like you know living in but the emphasis was on enduring it's about staying in place over a long period of time so that is really contrasted with this kind of picture that I see in many Christians lives where we kind of dip in and out of being in Christ but he's calling us to abide in him it's a constant awareness of his presence a constant being receptive to his Holy Spirit and his guidance his comfort his teaching I'm gonna go back and forth here but that's okay because repetition is you know it's something God does so I'm okay with it so again if we revisit the idea that it's God's will and no one else's okay this is really significant and according to his good pleasure his grace his wisdom and his prudence he gives us the spiritual blessings and listen very closely he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ paraphrasing here so I'm skipping a portion of the scripture still within the same sentence that we should be holy and without blame before him in love again he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ that we should be holy and without blame before him in love 
Later on in the scripture, Paul describes what some of those spiritual blessings are. But even in this portion, we can see that it was his grace, for example. It's by his grace that we come to a space where we can believe on Jesus Christ and be accepted by adoption into God's family. In verse 7, it describes that we've, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. These are all spiritual blessings and of such incredible value. And as we bless him in turn, these spiritual blessings that he has given to us and his good pleasure, his grace, his wisdom, his prudence in choosing us before time began, predestining us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. This is all to the praise of the glory of his grace. It's all to the praise of his glory, of his magnificence. We could use so many words to kind of uh, elucidate what that, that glory and that grace is. But his wisdom is magnified. As we bless him through our response, as we allow him to do his works in us. I just want to make a little side note here. As carnal Christians, we can be, we can think that all the works pertains to is acts of charity, ministering to other people in very physical ways. And yes, this is important. And Jesus specifically said he gave that uh, very high level of importance that we would look after those in need however there is also a spiritual meaning to the word works and that is the changes that God is making inside us as we collaborate with him and allow his Holy Spirit through his word to wash through us and cleanse us and there's a transformative process happening as we allow this to occur and that is God's works within us, which we are co-laborers in. Again, God has given us all these spiritual blessings out of his good pleasure, grace, wisdom and prudence. No one else's. And he receives the praise and the glory as our response demonstrates to the world around us but also as the bible later on specifically states to principalities and powers essentially that that was the wise thing for him to do so i guess the flip side of this is that if we're not responding to his goodness through our own faithfulness then we become a reproach we become an opportunity for the accuser to point to the brethren and say, see, I don't know why you wasted all of that time and effort on them because that's what they're doing. There's no fruit. But as we draw nearer to God and we actively live out our faith in him as a response to his faithfulness, we will naturally bear fruit. And that will be a blessing to the Lord because it's a testimony to his wisdom in giving us goodness, kindness, compassion, forgiveness and his grace. Continuing from verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him and I don't know if you're noticing this but that phrase in him in him keeps repeating through this scripture it denotes a constancy of abiding in him and being in his will seeking his will seeking his instructions worshiping him nourishing and strengthening our bond with him particularly through his holy spirit who's dwelling in us making changes in us as we commune with him i think it's really important as we read the forgiveness of sins that we just check ourselves that we've moved past that very human tendency to read the phrase forgiveness of sins and see it in the way that we've often encountered it in the world as simply an identification of the fact that we have sinned that's not what it's all about jesus forgave us our sins so that we no longer need to look at our sins we can forget them and put the past behind us and as we move our focus away from our sins to the kingdom of god god's promises his spiritual blessings for us our inheritance in him everything that being in christ jesus entails then we will find that we sin less and less and the hold of our sin nature our flesh our carnal desires our soulish mind becomes weaker and weaker and that is when the holy spirit's influence on who we are on our very being becomes more and more manifest in us and we'll start to see it and we'll see that the lord truly does do the impossible in his children this is the mystery of his will and this is just a very gentle way of talking about sanctification because it's being in his will and working with him as he gives us his spiritual blessings making the most of those spiritual blessings that he makes us holy and without blame and establishes us in a foundation of his supernatural agape unconditional and very very big and expansive love love about this scripture also and we start to see this in these verses is that he's talking about the unity already alluded to this in the word adoption and in that repetition of the phrase in the beloved in him in christ jesus and in verse 10 he says he might gather together in one all things in christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him so there's this theme that's increasingly unfolding as i read through the scriptures with these new eyes that the end result you know there's only going to be two places for us to end up and one of them is in our god and the other is in the great lake of fire and at the moment it's a crucial time to be making our decisions holding that in mind every decision that we make now from here on in will influence will increase the chances of us going in one direction or the other we can't hedge our bets anymore
He's not gathering together everything to be as one. He's gathering together all things in Christ. And so the Lord, through his wisdom, his grace, his prudence, his good pleasure, his love, has equipped us with spiritual blessings that enable us to become holy to the end that we then, so to speak, qualify to be counted one with him. And I think that our triune God is quite a a nice template for that. We have the Father, Son and Spirit who have their distinct characteristics and yet are all united as one. And the Lord is making it very clear that it's his desire that we are also one with him. And that's a big part of what this whole process of our lives on earth and our journey to salvation is about. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory, We have an inheritance. He has a plan for us and he has provision for us. And as we step into that and fulfill our roles, again, we are a blessing to him. It is to the praise of his glory. Verses 13 to 14, inclusive read, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now it's interesting to me, he says, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So that it looks like those are two distinct experiences. One is having believed, being sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So we believe on Jesus and are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. But it seems that that's distinct from trusting after we hear the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. And that rings true for my personal experience because I've had two distinct experiences in my journey. One where I had a pastor share what what many of us accept as the gospel message with me. And at that point, I chose to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on the cross to release me from my sins, to pay the debt that has to be paid. And I willingly, although with with conditions attached silently in my head, accepted the Holy Spirit to come into me. But it wasn't until nearly five years later that I started to get some clarity about what the gospel message was and that it truly is a great mystery and that it fundamentally includes 
God works in us through his Holy Spirit. And so it wasn't until I started to understand how fundamentally important the Holy Spirit's role in not just the gospel message, but the gospel as it plays out in our lives, as we live it, the Holy Spirit gives it its power to transform our lives. And so it wasn't until I truly started to understand this message that my faith in Christ became more robust. Until then, it was almost like a, I'm hearing a grace period. It was almost like a honeymoon period where things seem bright and wonderful, but they can be a little bit fragile. And so Paul says, um, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, I'm tempted to see this two ways. The redemption of the purchased possession, and I'm sure there are other ways of seeing it, but to me it could speak of when we go home to Christ. What is clear is that our inheritance, we're not going to experience the fullness of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. The second way that I interpret that phrase, the redemption of the purchased possession, really speaks to me of our spirit coming to life and our experiencing the fullness of what it is to be in Christ Jesus. That we, um, later on in the scriptures, it mentions something along the lines of um, attaining to the stature of Christ. And so I suspect that that's one of the meanings that, that the Lord is offering us there. Read that scripture again. It says, You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. It's interesting that it says that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, when, as I've said, the Holy Spirit is the part of God's plan that actively works for our transformation after we've benefited from what Jesus did on the cross which I'm not downplaying at all and which is an absolutely essential part of our faith and beliefs and that we cannot be saved without believing on Jesus and what he did at the cross however what we've fallen prey to I believe is that we've left out the essential part that the Holy Spirit plays and that that is that transformative work that he does in us and so we can see that he is a promise. It's like he's an active promise. He's the guarantee of our inheritance. So we could even loosely interpret that as he is what ensures our inheritance. He is what brings about our inheritance. And he's the guarantee of it. He's working it out in us until the redemption of the purchased possession. Until we reach such a point that we are actually holy and righteous enough to be united in one with God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and Christ Jesus. 
know that some of you might jump on me for this idea and I'm sure that you're no strangers to the fact now that I believe that the idea of saying the sinner's prayer and being saved and that there's nothing that can then alienate us from God is is fiction and, and a lie from the pit of hell which will see many people deceived and um, and end up in hell and so it's with love that I'm offering to you the truths which are being shared with me and obviously you are the person who will stand before the Lord on judgment day and give an explanation of the decisions that you've made in your life and I'm quite happy to leave you with that onus but my onus is to share what I'm hearing from the Lord what he's teaching me through his Holy Spirit so that other people's eyes may be open and there's an awareness that develops and that you have at least the opportunity God gives us free will so that people have the opportunity to see with new eyes and to consider this and decide for yourselves is this something that lines up for me so does it resonate as truth if I reconsider what I've been told about scripture as I read it for myself with the leading of the Holy Spirit does what I'm seeing marry up with what's being shared here so I uh, look I also need to share with you I think at this point it's also fruitful to share with you that one of my children had a dream and or it may have been a vision and what they shared was that they saw Jesus coming down through the clouds and Jesus said believers come to me all believers come to me my child said to me those believers who were spirit cleansed went up to be with Jesus but those believers who were not spirit cleansed couldn't go up to be with Jesus and so I feel confident in sharing that I believe that this phrase the redemption of the purchased possession talks about our salvation and that our salvation is like an ongoing process that happens incrementally and it doesn't come to fullness until it's time to meet Jesus and then it's dependent on the part that we've played in bringing glory to God by taking part being in co-laboring with Christ Jesus in the works that he is doing in us through his Holy Spirit to transform us so that we are holy and without spot and without blemish ready to go before God ready to be made one with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit verse 15 and so verse 15 is where uh, Paul starts to pray for the saints and it's so beautiful he's praying for God's spiritual blessings and I just as I read this out now I just decree and declare it into the spiritual realm over every person who's listening and everyone who's connected with you in your lives who is a believer or potentially a believer in Christ Jesus verse 15 therefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And I also pray that over me because I have finally in recent months had a few revelations. This is what what Paul is praying for, that we have revelation in the knowledge of him. I've had some revelations that have given me the tiniest taste of the enormity of God's love for us and the strength of his power for us and the transformative power in the revelation of the cross and and just similar things. His forgiveness, just what his forgiveness is. And so it's only through direct personal revelation from God straight to us that we can experience revelations that show us what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in us and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe talking about the mystery of God's will for us here there is something that many Christians until we truly surrender to him and not not instantly into perfection not instantly into holiness and not all in our own strength but I believe but I do believe that it starts by stepping out in our own strength and in as much as our understanding and and, but I do believe that it starts by stepping out and doing things in our own strength and and wisdom to the best of our ability and that's just it's kind of like we're in kindergarten and doing the best that we can for God until we start to understand his nature and his will for us more deeply and he he gives us revelations he reveals things successively for us and so there's no judgment and there's no condemnation according to whatever stage we're at as long as we are spending our lives seeking his will and to the best of our ability walking in his will and he wants me to say learning to rest in him guys it took me nearly five years to realize that he truly wants us to learn to walk a life that is situated in his rest that he has for us and that is being in his will being in his will is simultaneously to be resting in him and as we play our part in that He carries us in this bubble of his grace and his authority through this amazing and sometimes rocky and dangerous world with circumstances that can surprise us and shock us and dismay us and even traumatize us if it were not for the fact that we are daily making a daily practice of contending for his peace through communing with his Holy Spirit and through his word so that his peace can protect our hearts and minds protecting us from the from the full experience of the traumatic experiences that we might be exposed to at some stage in our lives
And of course, it's important that he sums up by reconfirming. We can't do this often enough in our lives, in our prayers, reconfirming God's authority, Jesus' authority over us and over all principalities and powers. It's a very powerful statement that we can make over our lives and over anything in the world because whatever happens in one aspect of the world, whether it's spiritual or material, political, social, and so on and so forth, whether it's what's happening in our children's lives or um, our brothers and sisters, um, someone that we commune with occasionally, it all impacts us because we all are one. Um, as it says, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And there is a scripture that says that we are all the body of Christ and when one member suffers, we all suffer. So if we're all doing well, we all prosper. So if I can recap very quickly, and I probably won't do it justice, but God, who is the creator of the universe, through his will and his counsel, not in collaboration with anyone else, not in collaboration with us or some other kind of God. Through his will and according to his good pleasure, his grace, his wisdom and his prudence decided to give us all these spiritual blessings which include the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, the forgiveness for our sins, the grace to do things that would be impossible without him, the workings of his grace in us, things like the spirit of wisdom, revelations that give us a more intimate understanding of the Lord, enlightenment and knowledge of our inheritance, give us all these things to the end that we should become more holy and righteous so that we could be united with God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and with one another as the body of Christ in one, in the fullness of time. Beautiful mystery, and how part that we play in this is to surrender to him, to trust, to be faithful, which means to respond when he shows his faithful to, which means Which means that as we experience his faithfulness in our lives our faith grows and our response out of love is faithfulness to him and then we partner with him and we co-labor we co-create with him as he works in us for our transformation and so that we can experience holiness more fully and come to the full stature of Christ Jesus and in all of this the Father is glorified. We no longer are reproach to him, but we are a blessing. And so if I just pray for a moment, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I'm going to echo Paul's prayer again. Lord, I just pray that you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that our eyes of our understanding are enlightened and that we may know what is the hope of, of your calling, what are the riches of the glory 
of your inheritance in us and what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you also worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead it's talking about our resurrection as well guys and seated him at your right hand Lord in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come we thank you Lord that you have put all things under Jesus feet and that you gave him to be the head over all things to the church which includes us that we are in the body of Christ the fullness of him who fills all in all we thank you Lord that you are working in us to include us to a fullness inside Christ Jesus and you the Godhead bodily and Lord I just pray that you'll give us revelation of the mystery of your will as it plays out as it unfolds and the fullness of this as it applies in our lives now as we walk it out on a daily basis and also what that inheritance is what we can look forward to when eventually when eventually we experience that fullness of being in Christ Jesus being fully alive in you and a manifest part of your body in Jesus name I pray amen <music>